On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go into Los Angeles and pick up a very nice road win over the Clippers. It was a back and forth affair. There was a great quarter in the second. There was a terrible quarter in the third. And then the Hawks were very resilient, coming back from 11 down in the fourth quarter. Trey Young put on a showdown the stretch. Andre Hunter with a huge game for Atlanta and uh, some pretty good vibes on this particular evening. We'll have all that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1385 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Sunday evening into Monday. In fact, it's already Monday as I record this podcast, and I encourage you to make the Lots on Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey app, Google Play, and we're also over on the video side at YouTube. And today's show, we'll get into what became a very nice win for the Hawks. Honestly, it was a roller coaster, as a lot of Hawks wins have been this season. A lot of losses have been that same way this year. It was certainly one of the best quarters of the season in the second quarter. A really ugly third quarter in a lot of ways, and the fourth quarter was uh, kind of back and forth all in one quarter, but the Hawks overcome an 11-point deficit with about seven minutes to go. Trey Young was great down the stretch, and uh, we'll get into all of what transpired, but uh, big picture, the Hawks go 2-2 two and two on the road to California, and as I said at the beginning of last week before, this, before the trip actually started, a 2-2 two and two result isn't sexy at all, but I think Nate even said this on the record the other day. Basically, if you can go 2-2 two and two on a West Coast trip in the NBA or 500, no matter how long the trip is, that is a, it's definitely a success for the most part, unless you are an elite team, which the Hawks are not right now. So, so to go out there, be underdogs you know, in two or three of the four games, and then be able to go 2-2 two and two despite some shortcomings, they probably should have won the Golden State game. I get all of that, but uh, certainly better vibes now as they get on the plane and fly back to Atlanta for the Hawks to return to action on Wednesday. So we'll get into the game now. The Clippers have not been playing well. That's at least part of the context here. They had lost five in a row, now six in a row for, for Los Angeles. And they're also without Paul George in this game. He was questionable, ended up not playing. That might have swung things in some directions. Obviously, Paul George is a very, very good basketball player. Luke Kennard was out for the Clippers as well. The Hawks, though, still shorthanded. Capella out of the lineup. He was he was on the trip. He has missed seven games in a row now and 10 of the last 11. No update beyond that. Uh, maybe with the return home and two days off, he'll be closer to returning on Wednesday. But we don't know that right now, so keep that in mind for this game. So, obviously, Paul George is better than Capella, but that's sort of a, uh, sort of a I don't know, uh, maybe not a draw, but close to it in terms of guys who were absent. And the Hawks were two and a half point underdogs, according to our friends at Online in this game. So not a huge underdog situation for Atlanta, but they were not, quote unquote, supposed to win this one with Kawhi playing for Los Angeles. Kind of some desperation from the Clippers. And uh, again, at times it was uh, it was good. It was bad. It was ugly. And it was also very resilient down the stretch. As for the game itself, the Clippers started a five man lineup in this game. Again, started a lineup that had not played together all season long. Not once. That's pretty crazy to be happening in a game in January with not that many injuries. But the Clippers uh, went big, basically. No point guard to start the game. And they actually had Trey had to guard Nick Batum because they had nobody else to hide him on. It was either that or Terrence Mann or whatever. And the Clippers started this game off very well. There was actually a 7-0 run by Clippers out of the gate. They scored seven points on the first three possessions of this contest. From that point forward, the Hawks were better defensively than you might have thought in this game. But the beginning was not great. Um, they did stay a little bit from there, but the Hawks offensively had some process issues in this game. Uh, obviously, the second quarter was not that, as we'll get back into in a second, but a lot of times in this one, 
the Hawks reverted to what kind of drives me crazy about this offense at times, where they get really stagnant and they take a lot of contested mid-range shots, a lot of floater ranges. Those, those are not bad shots, especially when Trey shoots floaters. He's really good at that. But uh, not great like shot profile stuff in this game. Um, and also the defensive glass was a problem. Early, middle, often, all the way through for Atlanta in this game. Uh, rotationally, no huge surprises. It was Bogdanovich as the first sub, as it's been customary recently for Trey Young. Aaron Holiday played a little bit in this one. Jalen Johnson had a very good game in this game. Was the eighth guy. He came in for John Collins. Uh, sorry, with John Collins when Congo came out of the game. And uh, honestly, right away, uh, Collins had a big block after a timeout, and Jalen pushed the ball in transition, effectively set up a uh, set up a layup and actually you know, some free throws. He was uh, multifaceted and affected in the in this game. And then they went to Frank Kaminsky, which. It's not gone well this year for the Hawks. we got to be honest about that. He's had basically one pretty decent game, um, and then that was kind of it for Frank this year. But I will say, in this game, he was fairly effective by his standards. Um, they had they kind of had to go to him because the, Collins had some foul trouble, so did Kongwu. Um, and it's not the worst matchup in the world for Kaminsky as long as Moses Brown is on the court with him. But I thought that he actually did give them a nice offensive rebound early in, the, early in this game when he came in. Um, obviously, some shortcomings there as well, but he did not kill them at all in this game. Um, as for the rest of the first quarter... The Hawks never led. They were only, only down by one, which is probably um, sneakily important. They were kind of able to hang around while not playing very well early in this one. They only had 25 points on 24 possessions. Uh, the Clippers, though, just are a bad offensive team. That's at least part of this. The Clippers are a bottom five offense this year, which you would not guess based on the fact that they play pretty small. They have the two stars, although they missed a lot of games this year between George and Leonard. But, yeah, they came into this game like 28th in offense, which is pretty stark pretty crazy honestly but they uh, they're pretty bad on offense at this point in time and that was uh, certainly part of this game and all of the analysis going through it um rotational in the second quarter if you griffin started the second quarter as he has been doing for a while it's kind of a weird uh tweak that i've been talking about the last week or so that they've been holding aj intentionally out a lot until the second quarter and they put him in when trey sits i'm not sure if that's on purpose but aj was all right in this game we'll, we'll come back to you later on he made, actually made all three of his shots but um he came in and i think i said it before but jalen johnson had a excellent first half uh he was okay in the second half too but first half especially he made his first four shots he had two steals he had a block he was really active on both ends of the floor playing with a ton of confidence made two threes which is not usually part of jalen's game uh and he was the biggest piece of what became a 13-0 run by the hawks early in the second quarter uh that's obviously a huge positive for this team uh they went up by 10 at that point after not after not leading the entire game and it was kind of weird that the bench unit was the one that was able to do that with Kaminsky, with Johnson. Um, and look, that button worked for the coaching staff. Uh, I think Lynn Willis said it, my friend over at Peachtree Hoops, who's been on this podcast many times. Um, it's easy to pile on Nate McMillan, and I've piled on to some degree, not as much as Hawks fans want me to, but I thought they did a good job in this game overall as a, as a staff preparing and also just like little, little solid tweaks. Um, anyway, I thought they did get carried away leading Kaminsky in probably a little bit too long in both halves. And uh, there were some substitution stuff that I didn't love, but I at least wanted to say that out loud. The Clippers did score six straight after that because I think, again, they kind of Nate tends to lead guys in um, when they're playing well, quote unquote. Like it's going to change at some point, And it kind of did. But the Hawks slowly pushed the lead up to 17 in the first half. So as I mentioned before, the Hawks were down 11 in the fourth quarter, they were up by 17. In the second quarter, uh, Kong had a great sequence where we had a huge block at the rim and a tip dunk within about a minute of each other. And process wise, the second quarter was brilliant for the Hawks offense. It really was. They were attacking the rim. They were taking threes. At one point, there were 14 and 19 from the floor in the third quarter. Sorry, in the second quarter overall. The Hawks did slow down a little bit at the end of the first half, but finished strong. Uh, a very nice flurry of four points in the final 10 seconds of the first half, where the headliner was a steal and a dunk from DeAndre Hunter, who was excellent in this game. But uh, 
he threw down a massive dunk that actually made the ESPN push notifications. Like rarely do the Hawks get the national push notifications on a non-national TV game, but Hunter's dunk made that rounds and he certainly earned that one. Uh, and then Collins actually made like a 50-footer after the buzzer. It didn't count, but uh, the Hawks had a nice little flurry at the end of the first half going into the break. And I think I said it before, but the Hawks really had, I think, one of their top probably five quarters of the season in the second quarter of this game that led to the Hawks being up by 14 at halftime. They scored 41 points in the third, their second highest number of the season. And uh, that number would have been number one until about a week ago. They actually scored 42 points in the third quarter against Golden State. Um, but they shot 71% from the floor and they shot six of 12 from three. Taking 12 threes in a quarter is good process for this team. Um, they got to the rim six times. Um, I think Glenn said this as well, um, but they ran a lot of Spain pick and roll pretty effectively. That was a favorite in previous seasons under the previous regime with Lloyd Pierce. And it usually worked at a high level. That's not a huge Nate thing, but it, it worked very well in this game. Also had the Clippers down to 38% shooting. And again, kudos to the bench because the big first haymaker of this game came with Kaminsky and Johnson and that second unit and Griffin on the floor together, which is not what you would probably guess in a lab. That definitely happened, and that was a huge part of the Hawks' uh, ultimately winning this game. Um, by the halftime break, though, the Hawks had a 132 offensive rating. They were flying high. They were balanced. It did not uh, have a – it was not necessarily a cruise control situation, as we'll get into in a second with the third quarter kind of being a disaster, to be honest with you. But the Hawks did build that lead up and that everything counts along the way in a four-quarter basketball game. We'll get into the second half of this one, which with a lot of drama down the stretch, as well as my overall observations and takeaways from this game, player-wise, team-wise, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by TurboTax. You can go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Instead, meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve your stress of taxes and file for you so you can do anything but your taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. You get the idea. Don't do your taxes. With TurboTax, they have 100% expert guarantee and an expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax. It feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax right now and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax, full service products only. Video, video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. All right, so in the third quarter, I think I said it before, but certainly not the best. In fact, it was pretty ugly. Um, broadly speaking, it was 35 to 19 in favor of the Clippers in the third. And that paints a pretty accurate picture of how bad it was. First, it was a 10 to 4 run out of the gate by the Clippers. The Hawks, I thought, started to settle again after their great process in the second quarter. Lots of mid-rangers, lots of uh, you know, pulling up short of, att of attacking the rim, not enough three-pointers. Um, there was a there was one good attack early on in the third quarter from DeAndre Hunter where he went right around Zubach for a layup for a layup, which is a good play by him. But the lead was down to seven in a hurry. Um, the Clippers had eight second chance points in the first like five minutes of the, of the, of the third quarter. Um, and ultimately it was a 21 to four overall run by the Clippers to take the lead. So after the Hawks were up as many as 17, they were down by the middle of the third quarter because the Hawks scored two points in about a six minute period during that run. They went one of nine with two turnovers and five of the eight misses were contested mid-range jumpers, the shots that you don't want. Even though, obviously, Trey can make them, DeJounte can make them, Bogey can make them. No one's saying they can't. But if you watch that third quarter back, the process did not feel good. Uh, and neither did the uh, results, obviously. They only took one three in the first ten minutes of the third quarter. It was uh, it was really kind of stark how bad the offense was, I thought, in that period. And then defensively, you know, mostly the glass was the problem. But uh, also, just when, when you cannot score – 
you put your defense in a, in a tough spot. It's never as simple as one end of the floor not affecting the other end of the floor, which is something I have to keep in mind always, and I think you probably should as well. When you miss shots and you don't score, your defense is going to suffer because you're playing uh, in transition a lot, and that happened in the third quarter. Uh, the Hawks shot 33% from the floor in the third and 7 of 19 on twos. That's a terrible number. Clippers only shot 48% from the field. They weren't even like that hot in the third quarter, and yet because the Hawks just couldn't score – it, it probably should be like close to impossible. We'll get into this actually now. Um, the Hawks were down nine by the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter. And in the first 16 ish minutes of the second half, the Clippers shot 47% from the floor and won that period by 23 points. Now think about that for a second. If you said a team wins, wins a quarter plus like 15, you know, 15, 16 minutes by 23 points, you'd expect that, Either they shot the absolute heck out of the ball or the other team just imploded. And that was mostly the second half of that one because the Clippers didn't shoot that well and still won. I think it was, I think it was 44 to 21 over a 15 minute period. Uh, so all that's all that to say, they probably didn't need to go back to Kaminsky in the fourth like they did. That was part of it. But uh, by the time they brought Congo back in, they were down by six, et cetera. And it was really teetering. It really was. They were down by 11, um, even with a big, uh, beautiful lob from Young to Collins around two guys early in that fourth quarter for a dunk and sort of out of a timeout but the Hawks were again down 11 when basically they started to bring the stars back in the game uh Trey actually made a huge three that I think might, might get lost uh, off a long rebound when, the, when they were down by 11 points to kind of get things back into touch but the big thing also in that run was that they forced six consecutive empty trips by the Clippers so basically six straight stops defensively and that's what you have to have it was an 11-0 run by the Hawks to go from down 11 to tie the game, and they just kept getting stops, and that's a huge thing. One of those was a gift from L.A. when Moses Brown, who I don't know why he was still in the game, was fouled and missed two free throws very badly, but the rest of them were just organic stops defensively. Trey had six points in a hurry. He was very good in the fourth quarter, um, and they called timeout, uh, the Clippers did, and a tie game again. So basically, after all of that, it's a new game with four minutes to go. Um, back and forth, back and forth. The Clippers did lead again after Kawhi got fouled and Trey missed. Uh, I think it was his, his only missed the last like seven minutes was a was about a ten footer in that stretch. But the Kongwu got blocked at the rim, um, and suddenly the Hawks were down by four again after coming all the way back to tie the game. But from there, it was basically all Trey on offense, which was uh, a positive. Trey gets trapped, sets up a wide open three by Dejounte Murray, who actually misses it, and that felt like a huge point in the game honestly if, if the Hawks had lost I would have circled that possession as a just a great look good process actually draws a double team kicks it decent enough shooter just misses it but after that they got a stop and that was huge because then Murray scored and they got they got a steal Trey got fouled and it was back to a tie game with about 75 seconds to go something like that uh Kawhi missed a pretty good look after that although it was good a good defense by, De- by DeAndre Hunter who was very very good defensively in this game but Kawhi misses it Trey gets, Trey gets the uh, sort of perimeter resistance up on him, blows right by it, hits a floater, and the Hawks lead again with under a minute to go. Uh, after a timeout, the Hawks, I think, smartly took Trey off the floor and went to Jalen Johnson. Now, that's not a huge deal, but they usually do not go to Jalen Johnson in those, in, those, in those spots. And Jalen is not a great defender at this point, but he has great tools defensively. And I thought it was uh, encouraging to me that Nate and the staff trusted Jalen enough to play him there. Uh, pretty cold. He hadn't played for a while, and uh, it, it worked out fine. The Hawks did give up a layup to Kawhi, but it wasn't because of Jalen. Um, and I, honestly, it was a really good contest by Collins on the weak side, but still, Kawhi is just really strong and really good. Uh, but the Hawks smartly, after a timeout again to get Trey back in the game, they had a two for one with 44 seconds to go. And Trey, in typical Trey fashion, goes off a high pick and roll with the Kongwu, blows by, hits a floater. 
he got, he got a friendly bounce on that floater, but obviously has great touch on that shot. Uh, the Clippers did not call timeout and got two decent looks. You know, Kawhi's three over Hunter was not a great look, but it was is one he makes often. And then Marcus Morris kind of out of rhythm. He kind of did this like weird up fake step back kind of thing, misses it, and the Hawks finally secure a rebound and get it to Trey, who's fouled. And uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. One of the best things about having a guy like Trey as your number one option is that Trey is borderline automatic at the free throw line. Obviously, no one is automatic, but having a high 80s, low 90s free throw shooter as your best player and ball handler in those spots is enormous because all you have to do is get it to Trey. And Trey, you can count on making those free throws uh, most of the time. And he made those, and that was basically the end of the game. So the Hawks weren't perfect by any means, but Trey was awesome down the stretch. Defensively, they did a really good job, I thought, for most of this game, and uh, that was the end of that. So uh, I, I think the headliner number-wise or like takeaway-wise for the team was the defense. And again, you have to adjust a little bit for the Clippers not being good on offense this year. Bottom five in the league, no PG. All that does matter. But a 108 defensive rating is excellent, especially on the road with no legs at the end of a road trip, long trip, long way away, body clocks, all that stuff. To do all that was pretty impressive. The Clippers were 39% from the floor in this game. That's very good. The Hawks contested at a high level throughout. Not a lot of breakdowns defensively. Even when the Clippers were having success, it wasn't for lack of defensive execution. The one glaring issue was the glass. And that's going to kind of be the case without Capella, especially in a matchup where like if the opponent has a real seven footer and if he's Zubac is really underrated. I thought the Clippers didn't play him enough and he played a lot. I think he played, yeah, he played 38 minutes. And like if he had been able to play more than that, they would have won the game. Uh, that's one of those things where the Hawks were plus 10 with Zubac off the floor. And that was a, a huge thing because when they were, when he was on the, when he was on the court, the Clippers were the better team in this game. But part of that is that the Hawks are really small without Capella. Kongwu, not a great rebounder at this point. Obviously, as we talked about it a lot. Collins is good at the four, not great at the five as a rebounder. And uh, the Clippers are just pretty big around there. So that was not a huge shock that the Hawks had trouble there. But it got better as the game went along. It was really bad at times early on and then in the third quarter. But it was uh, you know, not totally disastrous by the end. And the Hawks had good uh, activity. They had nine blocks and seven steals. Those are very good numbers, especially the nine blocks. Nine blocks is like a, is like almost double what the leader makes. That's really good. It's really impressive stuff from the Hawks defense. And it wasn't just one guy. Everyone was active. Collins had three. Congo had three. AJ had one. Jalen Johnson had one. Aaron Holiday had a block in this game. Uh, steal wise, I think there were five guys that had at least one steal. That's uh, you know it was, a t- it was a team effort defensively, and they were very very good at executing up and down the board. Um, offensively, it was a total roller coaster. Uh, by the end, it was a one thirteen offensive rating. That's like fine. It's like average for what this Hawks team should be. Uh, it was there were highs in the second quarter, lows in the third quarter. Fourth quarter was just fine. Um, they did go eight of twelve on twos in the fourth, which a lot of that was Trey um, and shot for the game fifty seven percent overall on twos. That's uh, a solid, not a spectacular number, but certainly solid. A big thing as the Hawks often do, they took care of the ball. Nine turnovers and facing a team that's the Clippers for all their all their offensive trouble. They're a top five, six, seven defense in the league, and the Hawks took care of the ball the entire game. Only six steals allowed, nine turnovers or nine, nine turnovers overall. And when Trey was out there, the Hawks were plus 11, uh, and that is mostly the offense. So anyway, it was a complete effort from the Hawks. It wasn't perfect, but there were offensive things that, to, to, that you sort of count on, defensive things that you can sort of count on. I think it was more defense than offense, if I had to guess, on one side of the floor or the other. But uh, it was kind of everything. And yes, Clippers are struggling right now, but to go on the road and get this win in the fashion they did and to be as resilient as they were, because look, the Hawks, it felt like in the fourth quarter, if we're all being objective here, after the lead was gone, up 17 and they go down 11 
it felt like the Hawks were in some trouble in this game. No question about that. It's, it was never over. It was never like teetering on that line of being over. But um, for the Hawks to come back from 11 down with like seven minutes to go on the road, last game of a trip is uh, a hat tip moment, I would say, for uh, hopefully for everybody involved. And uh, obviously they have two days off now to kind of uh, you know get ready for a game on Wednesday. All right, we'll have more on the player observations in this game as well as some, uh, some non-game news at the end of the podcast and more. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories to come along with it, you really need to try a Built Bar. We just finished the holidays, of course. I know one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier. And if you're anything like me, you don't give up the taste to actually eat healthier. And Built Bar is a perfect option to blend those two things together. With Built Healthy, is actually tasty. They're so delicious that you actually won't believe that they're good for you. They have 100% real chocolate on the outside. Yes, real chocolate. And they come in a ton of awesome flavors. Peanut butter brownie is one of them. Coconut almond is one of them. And the list never ends. Bill Bars tastes like a candy bar with only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar to go along with 17 grams of protein. You want to also want to wait around really very long to get a box today. And for a long time, I've been telling you to order your Built Bars at Built.com. You still can do that. It's a great option for you. And you can also get them at a local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Walk into the pharmacy section of a local Walmart and grab a box of Built Bars, including a four-bar box of my personal favorite, Cookies and Cream. Or if you're closer to a Sam's, run in and grab a 13-bar box. That's a lot of boxes. That's a lot of bars in one box. That's a great deal probably at Sam's as well. Make sure to check out Built Bar no matter where you can get it from, including Walmart and Sam's. Check it out now at Built Bar and start your new year right. Okay, and we'll get into the player evaluations now. Uh, really a 10-man rotation in this game, but it was kind of nine and a half. Aaron Holiday didn't play in the second half, which is not a huge surprise. Four minutes in the first half, he was part of that bench unit that, that, that did some good work. Uh, didn't score, but had a block, had a, had a rebound, was just fine when he played. Uh, Kaminsky, I thought, gave them better minutes in this game than he has for most of the season. I think his second half stint was a lot less effective, but his first half stint was actually pretty good. Um, four points, five rebounds for Frank. Uh, the five rebounds being a big part of that, had an assist. He's a generally a pretty decent offensive player overall, which I've been trying to get people to understand throughout. Defensively, it's it's pretty bad usually, but he was at least competitive in this game. I thought he gave him good minutes. AJ Griffin only played 11 minutes, which I think is probably a little bit low. Um, I think defensively he had some issues and they were trying to cover up from that in the fourth quarter, which is understandable. But he had seven points on three shots, had a block, was plus three, no rebounds, no assists, all that stuff. But he was just, he was fine defensively. It's like there's shortcomings though, which is fine for a rookie again. Um, Jalen Johnson, first half, brilliant. Second half, not quite as brilliant, but certainly a good game from him. 13 points, four rebounds, two steals and a block on uh, only seven shot, uh, shoot, shooting possessions for Jalen. So uh, really good game from him. I, I think that I don't have much to add there. I think uh, we've seen flashes from him. We've seen a quarter here, a quarter there, a half here, a half there from Jalen. Like He really shows off a lot, and hopefully he builds on this one because he was uh, he was really good in the first half. And then Bogey struggled. Now it's funny because Bogey had the second best plus minus on the team, which is a reminder that you can't just take single game plus minus is gospel. Uh, you have to put some context around it. It could be kind of useful, but one of those things where uh, Bogey was not good in this game, full stop. Defensively, he's very bad at this point. Uh, I hope it gets better for everybody involved, but it's it's a struggle. And then offensively in this game, he had four points on 13 shots. Do the math on that, not what you want. He was two of six on twos and 0 of seven on threes. And that's going to happen sometimes. The shooting waxes and wanes, but he's going to make shots. I have no issues with that whatsoever. He did have five assists. Um, he was a good ball mover at times, four rebounds. But it's hard for Bogey, I would say almost impossible for Bogey, to return positive value shooting like this because his defense is bad at this point. So uh, a mixed bag there for sure. But uh, he was out there, and I thought the Hawks wisely went back to Hunter probably a little bit earlier than they would normally uh, in the fourth quarter because Bogey could not stay on the floor. Um, to the starters, uh, Okongwu was probably the quietest 
of the five guys in some respects, but also made a bunch of big plays. Five points, three blocks, nine rebounds, two assists. He was only two six from the floor, which is a little bit weird for him. Uh, I will say it's a bad matchup for a Kung Wu. Uh, there are certain guys in the league that I just circle as bad matchups, capital B for a Kong Wu. Um, obviously the high profile guys, your Jokic's, your Embiid's just for size and skill. Of course, um, Valanciunas has been on this list for a while. Uh, Zubash is not as good as those guys are. Actually, he's probably as good as Valanciunas is, but, uh, I think that just physically it's a lot for a Kong Wu to deal with Zubach. And that was definitely the case in this game, but I thought a Kong Wu made some big plays late, um, protecting the rim and just playing hard and playing effectively. Collins. Um, was okay. 13 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, very solid there. Um, one of three from three, uh, five of nine on twos. Sorry, five of seven on twos. And I thought that he wasn't like an A-plus game, but I thought he defensively played very well. Rim protection-wise, rebounding-wise, led the team in defensive rebounds, as he has been for a lot of the stretch without Capella. Had some foul trouble. Uh, wasn't a huge part of the offense at times, but I thought he was uh, generally like a B-plus effective in this game. Uh, Murray, I thought pretty much struggled but he was better in the fourth. Uh, he, he, did, he did miss the one open three, but he actually had a, a sneaky bucket that was important for them. Uh, he, t- he takes the pressure off Trey down the stretch. I think defensively, he's still not playing uh, as well as he probably could um, in the non-habit creation minutes, but four assists, five rebounds, 16 points. Uh, he was okay. He wasn't good. I think he was probably below average overall, but uh, it didn't kill them by any means. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, I thought was great. Tw- 20 points for Hunter. Four rebounds, two assists, two steals, eight of 13 from the floor. Uh, offensively, he was pretty decisive. Not a lot of like bad contested 15 footers. That's just something he just like likes to do sometimes. He attacked the rim. He uh, only took two threes, but made one of them. And then defensively, you know, he did a great job on Kawhi. Obviously, it's it goes beyond one player, but to hold Kawhi to nine of 23 from the floor, he contested him the entire game. I, I pretty much never make it a one for one thing on the perimeter for any matchup. But Hunter was clearly the primary guy on Kawhi. They were pairing him with Kawhi minutes-wise in this game, pretty intentionally, it felt like, a couple times. And that was right. It was the right move. I thought he was really good in this game. He's been playing very well overall in recent days. I don't want to get over my skis, but it seems like Hunter is playing as well as he has in a long time, which is a huge thing for the Hawks. Obviously, they've already paid him, but the fact that he is indispensable on this roster, he's the only guy that does what he does as a big three defender that plays play him four. Also just, you know, line up against Kawhi and not be overpowered physically. He had the one eye-popping dunk at the end of the first half, but just like playing with some juice going to the rim, playing with some physicality defensively. And uh, you love to see that from Hunter. Obviously, it's, it's still been up and down, you know, career to this point for Hunter, but I think that uh, lots of good signs in recent days. And then Trey Young, 30 points, eight assists, four turnovers is totally fine for him, plus 11. Uh, the Hawks, when he played, were excellent in this game. Uh, he was efficient. 30 points on only 21 shooting possessions for Trey is very good. He was 6 of 11 on twos, 3 of 6 on threes, and 9 of 9 at the free throw line. Uh, he was great in the fourth quarter. 14 points in the fourth. He made all seven free throws. And and the, and the two huge floaters, you probably argue those were the two biggest shots of the game for the Hawks, or the two Trey floaters down the stretch. So uh, I think he's been shooting the ball better for the last couple weeks, generally speaking. But uh, this was a game where I think he just like capital. Uh, he was very good down the stretch. The fourth quarter was some of his best basketball. He was under control the entire game. Not a lot of hero ball. He was the guy making the plays at the end, but he wasn't taking pull-up threes. He wasn't taking contested shots where he, where he had room. He was taking what he was given by the defense. He was exploiting that, using his skill set overall, and uh, playing under, under control and very well. So a very nice game from Trey, and the Hawks don't win it without him, obviously. So last thing on the game itself, the Hawks get this win. They're still not playing overwhelmingly well in this stretch, but to go two and two on the road trip, as I said before, 
but I'll say one more time, is huge. To do that, they're still hovering around 500. The standings are what they are. Um, the Hawks are not in the best shape, but they are the 10 seed right now. They're actually tied for the nine seed. They're right there in the playing mix. That's not where they want to be. No one's happy with that, but through 40 games, the Hawks have done uh, enough to hang around, and I think the, the better days are ahead. Capella needs to be healthy and be back at some point to, max, to maximize this team, but and they got to and they got to play better. But this is one of those nights where it's you're reminded like this is a good road win, like really good. So we'll leave it there for now. Uh, one piece of non-game news is that Vic Krejci and Tyrese Martin both are still on the roster through the non-guarantee deadline that passed on Saturday. Uh, from what I understand, Martin was a lock to be on the roster. Um, not a huge surprise there. He's a recent draft pick, of course, um, and also a guy who you know is very cheap, rookie minimum contract. But Krejci was a closer call, I believe. Uh, I would say this, very few people in the world had a better day on Saturday than Vic Krejci did because he had about half of a $1.5 million salary guaranteed all at once. So he went from, yeah, he was already going to make you know three-quarters of a million dollars this year before taxes, but then literally overnight, he had he doubled that money, so that's that's a positive for Vate. Congratulations to him. He's been a, he's been a really fun bench presence for the Hawks. He's not really playing much at all, but uh, he's still he's still on the roster. And the Hawks are at 14 players. They are they can and probably should at some point sign some 10 day guys to cycle through. Especially if Capella is going to be out for a while, we, we don't really know that at this point in time. But if they if they know that Capella is out, they might want to sign a 10 day guy in the front court. But maybe because they uh, haven't done that, you could say that as an optimism as, as a point of optimism. We'll see. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, no roster changes. And uh, we're certainly into the spot now where uh, guarantee dates have passed. The deadline looms in about a month and we'll have more of that in the future. Um, from here, they have two days off. They fly back probably as we speak right now, going into Monday morning. And then, the, of course, they'll be watching the UGA game on Monday evening. Uh, and then they, 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 I'm sure they'll practice on Tuesday. And then they'll be back in action. It's a one-game homestand, if you want to call it that, against the Bucks on Wednesday. It's actually an ESPN game. The Bucks have not been playing all that well in recent days, which is uh, pretty strange to like just even say out loud because the Bucks are always uh, pretty darn solid, but they're not playing very well at this point. They've had some injury issues um, there. I believe, yeah, they are three and six in the last nine. Um, they, they, they did, we, they did beat uh, Toronto on the road recently, but they gave it 51 points to the Hornets in the first quarter the other day. So that's a game. That's a challenge always at home and the Hawks be well-rested, but sometimes it's hard to come off of these road trips and be your best self on the first game back at home. So that's be a, a nice little measuring stick game for the Hawks. Uh, in the middle of that, I'm throwing you a little bit of a change up. Now, I'm actually going to have a pretty long, massive two-part NBA draft podcast with Brian Schroeder, who's been on this podcast many times. Brian is uh, the most frequent draft guest that I have, covers the draft at a very, very high level. And I recorded that actually yesterday, so it's already been recorded. It'll be dropping on Monday evening into Tuesday. I wanted to kind of fill that gap of two days without a game with something. And people have been asking about the draft um, because of the Hawks' downturn, I think, but also just because I haven't done, I haven't done any draft stuff since the beginning of the season. So uh, if you enjoy that, check that out. If there's, a, if there's any news between now and then, I will throw it on the top of that podcast as well. But uh, hopefully you will enjoy that, and then we'll come back with uh, our normal game coverage on Wednesday. And then the Hawks have a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday, I believe. So we'll get into all that later on in this week. So please subscribe to the podcast. Please check us out across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, and then also on YouTube. Leave five-star ratings and reviews. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Also read my writing over at patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do thank you and appreciate you for listening to the podcast this evening. Hopefully you enjoy the California road trip and a bunch of late nights, maybe some early morning listening, all that fun stuff. And we'll see you all later in the week.